Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. toughest times of his life, and we know that he had several very tough trials that he had to endure throughout his life, and many of them we preach about and we uh, teach upon, and there's life principles that can be received from them. But this is one of those, I suppose, darkest trials that he had to walk through. He had just been driven from his throne by his very own son. Absalom, who swayed the people against him. And he was exiled along the northern edge of the wilderness of Judea. This is far from the sanctuary that was in Jerusalem that David is describing in this psalm. The simple fact is, is that David has been literally knocked down. But because of what we read here in this passage, we can see that he's not knocked out. It is evident that he's going to have to endure some situations and things that he had not really ever or one could never really prepare for in life. But uh, he is dealing with the rebellion of his son Absalom, the deceit of Ahithophel, also the hateful words as he's leaving the city of Jerusalem of a man by the name of Shimei. But David remains resilient because of all the admirable traits of David. His resilience, I believe, ranks towards the top of all of his great characteristics. He has been portrayed here by his son, exiled from his throne, humiliated by having to be pushed into the desert. Yet all of these experiences and all of these things that have turned against him has not caused him to become bitter, not even caused him to complain. But he expresses his desire for God alone. I think it's noteworthy that David doesn't use this time in his life to express a desire for retribution for all of the wrongs that has been done against him. He doesn't use this particular instance in his life to say that I want the record to be made or to be set straight about the false accusations. Or was he preoccupied with returning to power or seeing his enemies destroyed. The only thing on David's mind when he had to leave and go into the desert and he's rocking and reeling by the circumstances that has taken place, he's thinking about the sanctuary. He's thinking about the presence of the Lord. He's not pining over the power that he's lost. He's not musing over the luxuries that he had to leave. He's not fretting over friends that he had to leave behind. But what he missed the most was God's house, the place of worship, the place 
in the presence of God, the place where he would come and pray, where he would join together with others of God's people. What a man misses most when everything has been taken away from him tells you a lot about his character. You can hear the desperation in the psalmist's voice as he writes in Psalm 63 and 1, O God, thou art my God, early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee, my flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. To fully understand the depth of this particular verse, one must grasp the environment that David finds himself in once he's been exiled away from Jerusalem. David had to run from Jerusalem along the Jericho Road, and his journey took him through some of the wildest, most barren, and discouraging scenery in the world. Those of you that have ever visited the Holy Land, or for that matter, if you saw pictures of this particular area, you'll know that this area that is outside of Jerusalem is a wilderness wasteland. And he has resorted to this dry and arid climate. And the only body of water that is nearby is the Dead Sea, which only accents his need for water and the thirst that he is experiencing. I find it interesting that he speaks of the soul. My soul thirsteth for thee. No doubt he is experiencing physical thirst, natural thirst. But he says, my soul thirsteth for thee. He goes on to say, my flesh longeth for thee. In other words, my entire being is desirous of the Lord. In Mark chapter number 12 and verse 30, it urges us to seek God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and spirit. In other words, our whole being, to really be a worshiper of God, all of us have to be, all of us, all of who we are has to be involved in worshiping God. And so this reveals that he is completely completely desirous and hungry. Every part of him is thirsty for the Lord. Not just his soul, not just his desire and spirit to be in the presence of the Lord, but he said, my entire being hungers for you and thirsts for you. I long to be in your presence. And he uses this word longeth, which is translated feigneth. So he could have said it this way, my flesh feigneth for thee. David is craving after God. And it's more than just a mental craving. It's more than just an emotional craving. But it's actually a physical craving. And according to this, this physical craving is so strong that it left him physically weak. The point that I want to make to you is this, is that when this king was knocked to the lowest, when everything as far as this life and everything that he was used to, everything as we like to say that was normal had been taken away from him, when it was stripped from him and he faced brokenness and betrayal, 
He did not allow these difficulties to diminish his desire for God. But really, it caused his desire for the Lord to increase. Can I say that that's what it should do in times of difficulty for us? When we find ourselves in times of trouble and trial, when we're faced with some of the challenges as we are today in our society, there should be a desire to draw closer to God. There should be a realization of our need of God. There should be a longing to be in the safety of the presence of the Lord. So I want to give you just a few things from this psalm that I noticed that are a part of David's character in his life that helped him to survive during this very crucial time. Number one, if you're going to survive in the desert experiences of life, you can take from the example of David this, and that is that you cannot allow your desire for God to diminish when you're going through a dry season. When you're in the darkest and the driest experience of your life, you cannot become disenchanted with the church. You cannot afford to allow yourself to be disinterested when it comes to prayer. You cannot allow yourself to be disenfranchised when it comes to worshiping God. In fact, this is when you need to draw near to Him. And the only way that we can do that is to come into His presence with praise and thanksgiving. To enter in and pray and make our petitions known. I believe that we're serving a God that is concerned for our needs. That is concerned for each one of our burdens and is able to help us. David realized this world has many amusements but few true pleasures. It has few things that can offer lasting peace. C.S. Lewis once stated, Pleasure is God's invention, but Satan has never been able to manufacture a single lasting pleasure. The Bible says that the pleasures of sin are for a season. They're only for a small space of time, and then uh, they are gone. They've diminished. They've been whisked away. We are always driven back to God in order to find lasting fulfillment in life. Lasting completeness is found through our relationship with God. If you've ever experienced the power of the Holy Ghost, you know that there is peace in the Holy Ghost that cannot be found in the world. If you've ever experienced the power of the Holy Ghost, you know that there's joy, joy that truly lasts, joy that is not vanishing with time, but joy that will sustain you in the power of the Holy Ghost. Oh, sin, it can offer you temporal happiness, happiness that lasts for a space of time, but true joy comes through the power of the Holy Ghost. Matter of fact, when the writer described the attributes of the Holy Ghost, he said it's righteousness, it's peace, it's joy in the Holy Ghost. A lot of people try to achieve righteousness and to be a good person on their own. But I'm going to tell you, we're all 
mortal flesh, and we are all uh, people that succumb to the sinful nature of our flesh without the power of the Holy Ghost. But it's the Holy Ghost that makes the difference in a person's life. And if you've never experienced the Holy Ghost, you can receive the gift of the Holy Ghost right where you are today. You can receive it right there in your room watching this service this morning. And only prerequisite is, is that you repent of your sins and yield your heart to God and surrender yourself completely to the Lord. And the Bible says that the promise of the Holy Ghost is for you also. In this first verse, we see his necessity and his knowledge of his necessity for God. David became more aware that he needed God to survive in this harsh climate, in this harsh atmosphere, in this harsh situation that he found himself in. He found himself in this dry place and this physical condition served to remind him of how desperately he needed God in his life. It was a picture to him of how desperately he needed the Lord to survive. Can I tell you that we receive reminders every day that we cannot make it on our own, no matter how sufficient that we feel in our flesh, no matter how strong we think we are in our mind, no matter how uh, physically able we feel that we are to make it through the troubles and the situations of life, we all find a place where we have to surrender and say, this is beyond me. This is bigger than me. This is a situation that I cannot handle on my own, but I am thankful in those times that we can turn to the Lord. He is comparing his physical need for water to his spiritual need for God. And the parallel here is real. We must be able to drink from the wells of living water in order to survive in this world. The second thing is, if you're going to survive the desert experiences of life, you can find from his example in verse 2 where he writes, To see thy power and thy glory, so as I have seen in the sanctuary. Obviously, David, like you and I this morning, was separated from the usual place of worship. He was separated from the sanctuary that he was describing in this text and referencing here. Yet he reveals something very important for every saint of God's survival. For him then in the situation that he was in, and for you and I right now, he never forgot all the wonderful works. He never forgot all the wonderful things that God had done for him in the sanctuary. As I have seen, he said, in the sanctuary. He was not going on something that someone else had spoke to him about the stories or the testimonies that they had told him and all of those things are wonderful and they serve to inspire our faith by time. But can I tell you that every one of us need our own experience in the sanctuary, just like David. 
And this was what sustained him when he was in a desert dry place. He could remember. He could recollect. He could reminisce. He could pull back those memories of what he had seen. He had seen miracles in the sanctuary. He had seen the presence of the Lord on display in a powerful way in the sanctuary. He had had many prayers answered in the sanctuary. Of course, we know at this particular time he had brought back the Ark of the Covenant to the city of Jerusalem, and it was unlike other tabernacles and other things that would be constructed in the future by his son Solomon and then again restored by Jerubal and Herod. It was not like the temple, and it was not necessarily like the tabernacle that was in the wilderness, but it was called the Tabernacle of David. And it was more open, and the access to the Tabernacle of David was, uh, was more available than it was in the tabernacle in the wilderness, or it would be in the temple that was to come. And so what David is saying is, I have seen in that sanctuary... You work and you bless people that thought they could never be touched by the power of God. Thought they would never have access. Thought they would never be able to come and experience your glory. But I've seen and experienced it. Evidently, David had been a part of and had experienced himself some very powerful church. And it's an important point. If you're going to be able to draw from your experiences in church, you have to have experiences to draw from. In other words, that's why it's so important that when we come to the house of God, that it's more than just something that we do out of tradition. It's more than just customary for us on Sunday. But when we get here, we make sure that we get into the presence of the Lord. And the anointing of the Holy Ghost touches our lives. And we experience Him to the fullest because we never know what tomorrow is going to hold. We don't know if we're going to have to walk through a dry season in our lives and what we receive from that last service may be the thing that sustains us during that season. Can I tell you that God is able to give us what we need for the future? God being omniscient and knowing all things, He is able to look ahead and prepare us for those times. And that's why I've always underscored the fact that when we come to church, we need to have church. And we need to allow the Spirit of the Lord to minister to us as He desires. I'm reminded of the prophet that was spoken to by the angel of the Lord that prepared a meal for him. And he said, here, you need to eat this and consume it all because the journey is too great for you. In other words, it's too great for you to go without this sustenance that the Lord is preparing for you. But if you'll eat this meal that's been given to you, when you have to face things that are going to be on this journey that you've never faced before, you'll have the strength, you'll have the power, you have the ability to do it because God is preparing you ahead of time. That's the way it works with us when we come to the house of God. I want to receive all that God has for me when I come to his house. So you need to have some high moments in the house of God so you can recall them at low times in your life. I call them sanctuary moments. Many of you right now where you're at, you could think of times that God has touched you. God has healed you. 
God has answered prayers for you. God, is, though you're not here this morning, has blessed you right here in this sanctuary. God has moved in your life. This is what sustained David in the dry times. Also in verse 2, he says, To see thy power and thy glory, so as I have seen. To see thy power and thy glory, so as I have seen. In other words, he is saying in this particular portion of the verse, he's saying, I've seen it in the sanctuary. And because I've seen God move in the sanctuary, I know that he can meet me in this dry season too. And I know that he can move right here in the desert. And God's power and God's presence is not relegated to the four walls of a sanctuary per se. But his power is accessible anywhere there's a worshiper. Anybody that has faith in him. Anybody that trusts him. Anybody that will stand on his word. I believe the Lord is able to move and allow me to see his glory right here in the desert. I may be in a dry place, but I can still see streams in the desert. I, I may be in a dry season of my life, but I can still be blessed. I can still see the glory of the Lord, and the Lord can still move in my situation. I want to remind everybody. It doesn't matter what you're facing. What you're going through. Or how you feel presently. If you'll worship the Lord. And if you'll open up your heart to God. Right where you're at. You can feel him. And experience him. And then finally. We learn from the example of David. How to survive the desert experiences of life. From verse 5. And my mouth shall praise thee with joyful lips. David had determined that the desert and the conditions and the environment will not cause my worship to diminish in the least. You know, it's easy for us to worship God when we have music playing. We have somebody leading us, somebody inspiring us to do it, somebody admonishing us. Maybe somebody reading or preaching from the Word of God. We feel inspiration to worship at those times. But sometimes you have to be able to worship God when you look around and there's not one thing there to inspire you. There's not one thing that you can see on the horizon that would cause you to lift your hands and say, God, I, I feel like praising you. Matter of fact, worship that is true worship isn't it isn't inspired by feelings. It's inspired really by faith in God. It's faith that looks beyond the current situ situation and conditions. It's faith that looks beyond my crisis and my problems. It's faith that, that looks beyond what I may be going through at the moment and says, you know, God has never failed me. And I know that he stands outside of this situation and he's in control. And while it may affect me and my abilities and my strength, it doesn't affect him or his abilities or his strength. He's still God. And so I'm going to praise him in faith. I can't praise him for what I see. I can't praise him for how I feel. I can't praise him according to the strength that I have in body right now. 
but I praise him out of faith. I praise him because of what I know in his word. That's where Job was. He said, I looked before me, I looked behind me, I looked to the left and to the right, and I could not find him. But I know my Redeemer lives. And he continued to bless the Lord. He continued to worship the Lord. That's what a true believer does. That's what David admonished us in this text to do. Is when we're faced with a crisis. To go ahead in faith. Worship God and give praise unto the Lord. He determined the desert is not going to set the conditions for my worship. It's not going to cause my praise to diminish just because I'm here and I don't know when exactly that I'm going to be able to travel out of this place into a more lush and more, if you want to say it this way, more blessed and fruitful place in life. I don't know when that time will come, but until it does, I'm still going to sing, I'm still going to praise, and I'm still going to worship God. He said, I will bless thee. While I live. It's possible to come out of the desert with more than what you went into it with. We see examples of this throughout the word of God. Moses went into the desert. And there the Bible tells us that God spoke to him in profound ways. In fact, he went into a place alone in the wilderness and God gave him really by revelation, the five, first five books of your Bible, gave him the law, gave him the plan of the tabernacle, which was a whole new way of worship for Israel. This all happened when a man was alone in the wilderness. Jesus, our primary example, the Bible said in one place he was led into the wilderness, and then in another place it said he was driven into the wilderness. I don't think that is contrary I don't think that that is uh, a misnomer that it says it that way. It says that he was led of the Spirit, and then in another place it says he was driven of the Spirit in the wilderness. There's times when we have to be submissive enough to be led of the Spirit into things. And sometimes the Spirit leads us where we don't necessarily want to go. And then we have to have enough passion and drive for God and enough fervency and fire in our bosom as it was, as it, as it is, that we are driven by the Spirit, if I could say it that way, into that place where God wants us to be. Amen. Help me to be driven, amen, and also be willing to be led. But after he left that time of temptation in the wilderness, where the devil himself confronted him. And one temptation after another, he offered him things. When he emerged from that, the Bible said he came out of the wilderness with power. I want to tell you our best days, Landmark, are ahead of us. And we're going to emerge from all of this with power, with authority in the Spirit, with a fresh anointing in the Holy Ghost. The caption... For this particular psalm says it's to the chief musician. It indicates that the psalmist David handed this over to the chief musician. 
we know that this is a very personal prayer and psalm that David has offered. Yet, at the conclusion, after he writes it, after he sings it, after he offers it as praise to God, the Bible says, and most theologians add to this a little bit in helping us to understand that he gave it to the chief musician, which in the best way that I can tell is, is probably the choir director, or music director in those days. And he said, set this to music because we're going to be singing this for a long time to come. Because while this was my experience and this was the trouble that I had to go through, and while I may be a king, I suspect that the most common person in Israel has to experience things just like this. My story is not just my story and my testimony, but I think this is a common experience that everybody has to face, a challenge that everybody has to go through. And so I want them to be able to be inspired and to receive strength that if I can make it through and God could see me through this situation, that they can rejoice that they too are going to come out on the other side with strength and power and God's going to be with them. I want you to set music to it and I want you to sing it throughout the ages, long after I'm gone. And so when the early church began in the book of Acts, it is said that they would often reference the 63rd Psalm and sing it, sing it often and rejoice and take from this experience that David had and be encouraged themselves. As I was preparing this morning, a preacher called me, an elder preacher, Asked me how we were doing. And of course, as preachers do a lot of times, he asked me, he said, what are you going to preach this morning? I said, I'm going to preach from the 63rd Psalm. He said, that is so ironic. He said, just last night I was reading the 63rd Psalm. And I thought to myself, this is the most precious Psalm in all the Word of God. And he said, I don't write usually in the particular Bible that I was reading from, but he said, I wrote over in the margin that I needed to be reminded to read this psalm often. Can I tell you that David's experience is still helping people today. The experiences that we go through right now, if the Lord should tarry, is going to be a blessing to others, and God is going 